my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Now, I want to talk about something today that I hope is not a problem in your life. It's the lack of savings and taking on more debt. Americans have done both of those recently, and it's freaking me out. And you know, it's tax time. So what a happy topic. Anyway, one thing I'm asked every tax season, what should you keep? What should you dump? What do you need to keep for any number of years with your taxes? I'm going to give you an overview of that. So two years ago, Americans completely changed their money habits. Americans are of any developed country, historically the worst savers in the developed world. We, depending on the cycle of time, at best tend to save somewhere around six cents to seven cents of every dollar we make. And the worst times that, thank goodness, this hasn't been true in 15 years, Americans were what were called negative net savers, meaning that the average American was spending a dollar one for every dollar they made. And there are people among us who, where they are on the pay scale, they just can't make ends meet. And that's a reality. There are people who struggle financially, have more bills than they can handle, just for life's basics. And that is a segment of the population. But that's only a segment of the population. Most of us, it is how we choose to live our lives and how we spend. And never was there more clear proof than two years ago when a lot of places in the country were in lockdown, either government imposed or people locked themselves down. And the savings rate in the United States went to historical levels we hadn't seen in forever where people were saving, of every $3 they made, people were saving a dollar. One-third of what they made they were saving. It was unbelievable. And I talked to so many people who said, I never realized how much money I just spent. Because suddenly when there weren't things to go out and do and see and eat and all that and people were hunkered down at home so much people's spending dropped like a rock and people paid down debt like crazy the banks were freaking out because people were paying off credit card balances who had never done that before people just routinely ran balances and paid 17 18 19 percent interest or whatever Suddenly we're like, hey, this is really great. I don't owe any money to credit card companies anymore. I mean, it was a huge inflection point in how people handled money. The amount of money people were borrowing was going down. The amount of money people were saving was going up like I hadn't seen in my lifetime. And it's terrible that such an ugly, horrible circumstance as COVID led people there, 
but it was incredible. Now, let's fast forward. Uh, we're almost, well, we are. We're past the two-year mark, COVID. We're in our full third year now of COVID. And savings rates are back to where they used to be. People have gone from saving a third of what they make to six cents on the dollar, most recent numbers. Six cents on the dollar is better than zero cents on the dollar, but it's not enough to create security in your life. It's not enough for you to be able to deal with emergencies, you know, financial emergencies, rainy days, and to save for the future, like retirement or education for a kid or who knows what. Down payment on a house if you're trying to buy a house, which is requiring more and more. So the other thing is that debt and households took a huge jump last year. What was the prior year that had a jump like that? 2007. Just before we fell off the financial cliff in the United States. You, you take out all the cushion in your life when you owe and owe and owe and when you're not saving money. And, you know, they do go together because as you take on more debt, you got to spend more money on that debt and that leaves less money for the thing I'm talking about, which is living on less than what you make and saving money. You know, you're going to choose to live your life however you want to. My goal, my purpose is to help you have more choice in your life, more freedom in your life, in a capitalist system, more power in your life. And so if I'm talking to you and you're like, yeah, that's describing me. I did take on that new vehicle loan for a huge amount of money. And yeah, I've gotten a little out of hand with the credit cards and I'm doing those uh, paying for things they're offering online and the airlines, you know, now you can buy an airline ticket and pay it over four payments instead of pay for it when you buy it. So if I'm describing you and what's going on with you, take a time out, think about it and try to get that spending and that borrowing and the saving all going in the right direction again. We showed two years ago that we could certainly do it. And now it's time for us to get back to that. Krista? All right, we'll go to questions now. This is from Tom in Pennsylvania. Thanks for the great story on the cheapest cell phone plans. My wife and I switched over to Cricket about five years ago to save money while maintaining good service in the 5 million square foot large hospital research center and ambulatory care building we work in. Cricket uses all AT&T towers. This was only one of only two or three carriers that had great service from the third level basements and in most of the over 45 elevators. But the $70 a month charge for the two cell phones never increased, and for some reason, nobody, including Consumer Reports, ever mentions Cricket. We do not own any stock or know anyone that works for AT&T or Cricket. So, 
Tom, I'm so glad that Cricket has worked really well for you. Cricket is AT&T's discount brand, fully owned by them, and it's geared towards price-sensitive individuals. The beef some people have with Cricket is the same beef that people have many times with Visible, which is Verizon's wholly owned discounter, is that they both slow down your data speed. You obviously have found no unhappiness with the data speeds you've had on your Cricket phones. It's saving you a ton of money, and you should keep doing it. And uh, this is why we do these reviews in depth of various cell phone companies and sub-brands so that you can see how to lower your costs because what you pay brand name AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile is much more than if you go with one of their sub-brands or even a third-party discounter. Speaking of our cell phone reviews, Larry in Oklahoma says, I have found Pure Talk to be a well-priced and dependable cell phone service provided. Why are they never included in your cell phone provider reviews? And this was not the only question we got about this. Thank you in advance. I'm a longtime follower of Clark's advice, and I look forward to your response. Larry, I want to thank you for this. And so what we're doing right now, we do constant updates on our cell phone plan guide. And we're in the midst of an update on all the providers we already cover. And uh, it's amazing how much money you can save if you take the time to go read our cell phone plan guide and find someone who uh, can save you a ton every month. And over the course of a year, you could well save more than $1,000 just by taking some minutes to read it. As far as Pure Talk, um, when we're done with our update of our existing providers, Pure Talk is one that we will, in fact, add to the guide. It's the same reason uh, last time we added two other providers was we kept hearing from people, why don't you review this one? Why don't you review that one? And so we added them. Mm-hmm. And this is from Darlene in Florida. We are leasing an apartment in Jacksonville, Florida. We're extremely unhappy with the noise and the condition of the amenities. Unfortunately, we moved from out of state and didn't tour the facilities prior to signing the lease. We live under tenants who have a large dog, and this dog is always playing and jumping, which is extremely noisy. We can also hear every footstep the tenants make. It sounds like a thunderstorm above us all the time. The outdoor furniture in the courtyard is extremely dirty and there's dog waste all over the grounds. Now the gates at the front are not operational, so they are left open all day, which allows anyone to enter the complex. We thought that by leasing luxury apartments, we could expect more. We're paying $2,000, so you would think the floors would be insulated better and the amenities would be kept clean. I've complained to the manager, but nothing's resolved. I want to move, but breaking the lease will cost us $5,000. Subleasing is not allowable, so we can't go that route. What rights does a tenant have in this situation? The right you have is to make trouble for the landlord, to hold themselves out as a luxury property, and in the Jacksonville market, to charge you 2000 a month, um, that would be considered to be a luxury apartment price. You're not getting a luxurious environment. So what I would do is, if you want out of this lease, or you want the conditions improved, you got to make a fuss. And what I would do is, you've got to become a bother to the landlord. So I don't know what all things would make you happy to the end of the lease if you stayed 
or just being released from the lease. But the way you handle this, uh, you start making a fuss by doing a flyer you put under the door of all your fellow tenants. And you tell them that you feel unsafe because of the security gates not working properly. You're unhappy about uh, the various things you talked about with the furniture being dirty and all that. And we're all paying luxury rents. In other words, you do uh, what you can to become an advocate for yourself and your fellow tenants and become the kind of nuisance that the landlord either starts to address things out of fear or says, what if we just let you go? What if we just let you out of this lease? When they get worried about a troublemaker tenant and you stick strictly to the facts, that is how you get things either improved or you get your own personal situation improved by being allowed to terminate your lease and leave without the fees. The safety issue is one you might even be able to get one of the local television stations in that market to come and do a story because, as in so much of the country, uh, crime is a real issue in urban areas right now. And the broken gates, let me tell you, the apartment complex doesn't want to be on the 11 o'clock news with a tenant talking about the danger they're facing because this luxury apartment doesn't have working gates. The other thing is you start to create a nuisance of yourself is you may be able to get relocated because people constantly move in and out, relocated to another apartment in the complex that is not going to have that dog who's making noise all the time. So you need to be active, involved, engaged, and basically make yourself someone who cannot be ignored to solve this. And I want to hear back how you do. Remember, don't say anything that is not factually correct. Don't say anything that is jumping to a conclusion because then you'll hear from their lawyer saying you're slandering them. You say strictly factual things. The gate doesn't work. The pool furniture is dirty and you have pictures of it. The dog poop all over the place is not being cleaned up. You can document those things. And the landlord then is faced with you being a problem. And how do you get rid of a problem? You either solve the problem or you get rid of the person who's pointing out the problem you, and then you're not out the $5,000. Now, here's another nuisance, paying taxes. So, question is, when you're working on your taxes, you're trying to figure out what can you keep? What do you discard? What have you better kept through the years? I'm going to lay that out for you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When it comes to taxes, there are generally two kinds of taxpayers. There are those who the tax return is very simple to do. A third of people are renters. You don't have to worry about documentation with the house. Uh, You don't own your own business. And you just might have a W-2 or two or three or four. And filing your return is no big deal at all. And there's not really any documentation to keep. But then as your life becomes more complicated, uh, you own a business, let's say, or you own a house, maybe you own rental properties, as you add other elements in, the question of what you need to keep becomes more urgent. So let me first deal with people who have just an ultra simple tax return. What I do want you to keep is proof that you filed each year. File electronically, it's really easy for you to have proof of filing. And you want to maintain that proof for guess how long? I think forever. IRS has three years to go after you on your tax return and require backup proof of everything you've claimed. They've got six years to go after you and say, hey, you uh, underreported this terribly or whatever. So I keep full documentation, not for the three years you'll read online. I keep it for six because I do have the complexities we're talking about, owning properties, owning businesses. I've got a lot of balls in the air. And so the documentation is really, really key. I have my actual tax returns back to the late 1970s. Tells you I'm pretty old, right? And I don't even know why I need those. But the supporting documentation, I don't keep any of that after the six years. Just the returns themselves in case, because the IRS has no limit on when they can say you failed to file. So having a copy of the return is something that is very important. Now, if you own a home, you have the ability to sell that home and pocket tax-free as an individual a quarter million and a married couple 500000 of the gain you have on a home. Now, that's going to cover, historically, that would cover most situations. But now we have more and more high housing cost zip codes in uh, particularly on the coasts and then scattered spots in the rest of the country where the gains, particularly the longer you own your house, they could way outrun that tax-free exemption, which for so long was enough to cover every situation. So now for you, over the years, you want to keep records of any time you do a substantial improvement to your home. And that would adjust the basis of that home. Every dollar you can document is a dollar that you don't have to pay tax on 
when you sell your home, if your gain outruns that quarter million or 500,000. And when you sell your home, a lot of expenses involved in selling your home, people don't think about those being expenses that will reduce the reportable gain, but they are. So somebody has an inspection done of your home and you have to fix this or do that or do the other. Those expenses are selling expenses that reduce the amount you're taxed. And that documentation, I want you to keep for six following tax years. With your business, the documentation from it, I want you to keep that stuff for a long time. Again, six years. Anything that directly has a meaningful impact on what you're paying in tax. If you are a generous soul and you give a lot of money to charity, I want you to keep your documentation, again, for how long? Six years. So what you do when I'm asked, well, what do I need to keep? There are always lists of this. You keep your W-2s, that kind of stuff, 1099s for the six years. You keep this documentation in case the IRS ever says, you were bad, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And anything else on your return, the more complicated your life is, the more things that involve documentation on your return, the documentation you keep for six years. Now, with a home, often if you own a home a long time, and I'm saying stuff you did to the house 15 years ago, you want to have it, maybe it's long gone and you don't have the documentation. And that's too bad. But from now forward, anytime you do a major improvement to the home, you want to keep that documentation. And rental properties, the documentation uh, you have for the income you received from that property, but more important, the expenses you had against it, you want to keep those things for as long as you own the rental property because you never know how that's going to play out in terms of recapture of tax at the time that you sell that property. This is the most rudimentary, basic thing. We have a keep and ditch list at Clark.com. You can see it. But let the complexity of your tax return be your guide and the reductions in income subject to tax that you have each year be your guide as to what is so important for you to keep. Krista? This is from Ellen in California. You mentioned in a prior episode the controversy about holding a Vanguard target date fund in a taxable account. Because I already max out the IRA limit and 401k limit, I also put funds in, in a taxable account where I hold the Fidelity Zero Mutual Funds. As long as I switch off auto reinvest so that any capital gains would be received by me in cash rather than reinvested in the fund, would I avoid what happened to the Vanguard customers? My thinking is that by receiving the cash, I have money to pay any capital gains taxes so there's no phantom gains. Is that correct? So not exactly, Ellen. The Vanguard situation was a unique thing where Vanguard stripped out funds from their target retirement funds, put them in a different classification and left the people behind with enormous embedded capital gains. You don't have to worry about anything like that normally. 
the people in a Fidelity Target Fund that is inside a retirement account have nothing to worry about. These are only people who had the Vanguard accounts in a taxable account. The um, Fidelity Zero Index Funds are set up specifically for very favorable tax treatment in a uh, regular investment account. And there's nothing wrong at all with you reinvesting the dividends. In fact, a lot of the gain you'll have over the years will be from reinvesting those dividends. And so there's no tax magic to you having the dividends paid out in cash. If you don't need that money, I'd rather you do reinvested dividends. From Heather in Florida, Clark mentioned Scott's cheap flights on a recent podcast. I went online to check them out. It is recommending a premier and elite membership fee. Has Clark enrolled in and paid the $49 for the premium membership? Any other membership travel-oriented sites to help me find cheap tickets to Portugal in September? So I'm not only a premium member of Scott's Cheap Flights, I'm also a member of Dollar Flight Club. And we have a list of all these airfare alert things on Clark.com. There are, I guess we have like eight of them now on there, some number like that. Because this has become a big thing because airfares are so random. And um, I just hate to tell you this because I love, Heather, that you're going to Portugal. But you violated two Clark rules here to saving money. You know what they are, right? One, you picked a destination already. And you picked a travel date to that destination. The greatest savings and what's so great about scott's and these other services is airfare deals are so random and so the way that i think and the way i travel is a deal pops up and i figure out why i should go there instead of picking a date and a destination even if your travel is specifically september the way my mind processes it is wherever in the world it goes on sale that covers my travel period in September. I go there. If you do that and you always chase the deal, you'll go to the whole world eventually. I mean, the whole world will be yours. You'll just do it a lot cheaper. And But yes, if you use, even though I just said all that, if you use Scott's or one of these other services, you will get alerts that will be very valuable to you in finding a deal to Portugal. Portugal's been really in and uh, it's a little more expensive to get there because it's been so in lately. But when a deal does pop up, using one of these alert services will get you there. Um, Scott Kyes is the guy who founded Scott's Cheap Flights. Um, I started bragging on Scott how long ago, whenever he started, because it was just so great. If my memory is still correct, there's a full freemium business model that you can get base notifications for free. You got kind of starved for deals if you do that, though. And then there are the different levels of premium memberships. And it is true that one deal will more than pay for the membership. Uh, This is not for armchair travelers, people who like to dream of going somewhere. Paying for any of these fair alert systems is for people who see a deal, buy it, and go. And the story on Clark.com is called A Retired Travel Agent's Secrets for Getting the Best Travel Deals. So if you just search for 
retired travel agent in our search bar, you will find the story. All right. Which was just updated. Just updated March 1st. Yep. Uh, Kate in Pennsylvania. Hi, Clark. I've recently started listening to your show every day, and it's great. I have a leased Mazda CX-5 that's up in July, and the dealer has reached out asking if I want to try and secure a new car lease or extend my current one. With all the craziness in the auto industry now, what do you think is my best option? I'm very under mileage due to COVID and want to reduce my monthly payments. Have the rates for leasing a new car gone up in general? And are there any hidden traps with extending a lease? I like my current car and would be happy to extend if it's a lower payment. I know buying it out is also an option, but not sure I want to go that route. Of course, I've Googled this, but any advice you have would be much appreciated. So Kate, this is how this plays. Step back for a minute from trying to get a lower payment, and let's look at the overall picture of this. You are in the sweetest spot right now you could possibly be. You have one of the most reliable and dependable and popular SUVs that exists, a Mazda CX-5. You have a vehicle that's way below the mileage that basically you're paying for as part of that lease at a time that that vehicle is worth much more than was estimated it would be worth in the residual in that lease. What I'd like you to do is buy the vehicle in September or July, buy the vehicle in July for what the residual value is. At that point, you'll have multiple options. You might be able to sell that CX-5 that you just bought for five to $10,000 more than you just paid in the residual purchase. You may find, since you know it, you love it, you've been happy with it, that you just take out a loan for it when you buy it in July and you just pay it out because then at the end of that, you are going to own it free and clear. Ultra low miles, you know how you drive, there's no surprises, buy it. And I wanna thank you for listening to this episode also want to express my gratitude to the people who work as employees and volunteers in the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. When I founded the Team Clark Consumer Action Center in February of 1993, people looked at me like I was out of my mind. But I wanted people to be able to have access to free, trustworthy one-on-one advice. And it's something we've done for now, we're closing in on 30 years where you've had access to one-on-one advice for free. So please express thanks to the individual who helps you. Uh, We're available to serve you Monday to Friday, except holidays, from 10 in the morning Eastern time zone till four in the afternoon Eastern time zone. And you can reach one of our Team Clark members to get a one-on-one answer to your question. It's 636-49-CLARK. Or you can learn more at clark.com slash C-A-C.